going on, everybody? It is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Last month of the year, the last few weeks here as time is ticking down. This is episode four of the Go Figure podcast. Today's topics, boys and girls, we've got some good ones for you. The money, money, money segment is about the stock market versus real estate. Which one of those is the best investment opportunity for you in 2023? We're going to be talking about that. We've actually got a little slideshow I think you're going to really enjoy with that. Yeah, from there, we're going to talk week 13. And it was uh, a wild week, a sad week for many, but we're going to dive into week 13 and what went on in the NFL. A wild week, no doubt about it. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Ty was uh, at a game this weekend. And so we'll talk about that experience there. Got some great pictures. Uh, we've got uh, Sports 2.0. We're doing two sports segments this week, this day. And reason are is because the U.S. Men's national soccer team lost in the World Cup on Saturday to the Netherlands. It was very, very sad. We're going to break that down. But ultimately, some progress there with the U.S. men's team. All right. And then from there, we're going to get into our mindset piece. We're going to talk about the number one value and principle that successful people live. Amen. Can't wait for that. And then we've got our politics, political segment. We're going to talk about censorship by surrogate, talk about Elon Musk dumping those documents, the Twitter files that they're calling, who they're top secret. We're going to talk about that and what that means for free speech and freedom and so forth in this country. Now, if you're an Elon Musk fan, you're at the right place. If you don't like Elon Musk, then you should probably go to another channel. Yeah, from there, we'll, we'll dive into the family piece, and we're going to talk about inflation increases um, and financial stress for many families and some strategies and some, some actions you can take. All right, so six exciting topics, trending topics. They're going to matter for you as a business owner, for you as a, a family person, a parent, and that are going to certainly have an impact for you in 2023. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So let's go into our money, 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 money segment here. Stocks versus real estate. Which investment is the better investment? So there's this little uh, article here in uh, Investopedia. And Investopedia breaks down some of the numbers about stocks and real estate. And we actually created a little slideshow here, John. So if you want to click on that uh, slideshow and kind of show that uh, to everybody, let me know when we're up and running with that. All right, I see there. Perfect case. We've got stock market versus real estate here. And then on the next slide, according to the data from Investopedia.com, a very reputable site, it says from March of 1992 to March 2022, the U.S. housing market earned an average of 5% per year in growth appreciation value going up in, in value. And the S&P 500 earned 9.65% per year. Uh-oh. So it looks like, according to those numbers, the stocks make twice as much as real estate. So is the fight over? Did the stock market win hands down? What do you think, Ty? I don't think so. 
No, not even close. And we're going to blow your mind with a lot of the numbers that people don't quite understand because real estate has so many different facets and ways to make money. Whereas stocks, you pretty much just buy and hope it goes up. Um, sometimes it goes down quite a bit like they have so far in 2022. And then with real estate, there's all these different ways. And the big thing is leverage, right? Like if I'm buying a share, I can't really like leverage that uh, too much per se. But if I'm buying real estate, I can. And so as you go to this next slide, this is where real estate sets itself apart. So let's look at an average example. Let's say that you are buying a home for $250,000 and it's super smart if you can buy in the affordable range because those are those are homes that are gonna be less impacted by higher interest rates and, and fluctuations that go up and down with real estate prices. But the thing is you can leverage, you didn't have to put 250,000 cash to buy that home. You only had to put, let's call it maybe 20% down as a non-owner occupied property. So I'm a real estate investor, I put 20% down, that's 50,000 on a $250,000 purchase, yet I get all the benefits of owning the $250,000 home. So here's where it gets wild, right? If you buy the stock, hopefully it's going up eight or 9%. By the way, that doesn't include all the fees of owning it. If you have a mutual fund, a 401k, these financial companies take some pretty hefty commissions, all right? But if I put 50 grand down on a piece of property that I'm going to rent out just a single family home, well, here's where it gets exciting. So watch this. If the property goes up 5% per year, it's not 5% on my 50,000, it's 5% on the whole $250,000 home. So watch this over five years, that is a $62,500 increase. So I put 50 grand down, my 50 grand becomes $62,500 on average uh, with a 5% increase every year. That's the average over the past 30 years. And basically that breaks down into a 25% annual return on that $50,000 investment. So how, why is it so hard to, you know, why, why do we not understand this? And why isn't this taught in school? And and uh, you're a big real estate investor, Ty. What, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, my my take on this, Leo. It, it's kind of interesting because I've even had this feeling before. Where, okay, I'm 30 years old. I've been self-employed for quite some time. I don't have a 401k. I don't have an IRA. Oh no, because that's what you've been taught your whole life. Yes. If you don't have a 401k, if you don't have an IRA, you're doomed. And I've found myself thinking mo many times, like, oh no, what am I going to do when I retire? And then I realize. You know, I'm 30 years old and I have eight different properties under my name. Yep. Why am I getting so stressed out? Because I look at what these properties are going to do over the next few years, plus what I can do to acquire more properties. And I can have my dinky little 401k that I can access when I turn however many years old and live on that forever. Or I can have 20 different properties bringing in a few thousand dollars a month and live the lifestyle that I'm used to throughout my retirement. It's it's just a different way of retiring, but a way that you can actually get that money working for you. Because when you break it down like that, yeah, you're only putting 50K down, but you're making the money on the whole 250. That's called leveraging other people's money. Absolutely. But you're not going to go take a $200,000 loan and throw it all in the S&P 500. No one seems to do that. But the big thing you brought up there is income. Most stocks you own, even those that supposedly pay a dividend, these are small, small dividends, and those stocks usually don't go up much in value over time. And when you own that property, 
not only are you getting the appreciation, the property's going up in value, you're doubling your money every five years, but guess what? If you are buying the right way, you're earning income, you're earning cash flow by owning that property. So these properties that you own and that we own together and, and, and so forth, these properties are earning us income every single month and your 401k, your retirement account, that's not how it works. You take the money out and it doesn't replenish itself. It doesn't give you a check every single month and that's where people are missing the boat and thinking the stock market and the traditional, let's call it the scripted life where, you know, you go to college and you have all those student loans and you get a job that doesn't pay nearly as well as you thought and you struggle to pay the student loans off and then you hope you can buy a home and then you invest your money in a traditional 401k and then it goes down 20% like they have so far in 2022. And yet when you retire, even if you have a decent amount, if you to put that same money into 10 homes or, or 20 homes that make you 500 bucks or a thousand dollars a month in cash flow. And you know what happens with the rents? They keep going up too, right? Rents go up every single year and for sure over time they go up and then the value of the property goes up. And so you're making income and then you can sell it down the road and make all these profits. And then there's more benefits that you didn't even think about. So let's say you rent this property out, you bought it for $250 and you're earning $200 a month. Not a lot of money, but over a year, it's $2,400 extra dollars, another $12,000 over, um, let's call it five years. And we're not done there because guess what else is happening? You're getting that rent, you're getting a profit after you pay the mortgage. And so what's happening to the mortgage balance? It's going down. It's going down. And so now I owed 200,000. Well, five years later, now I'm down to like 188, 185. Let's just say conservatively, we were down to 188. So now I earned another 12,000 by paying the mortgage down. So I earned 12,000 from the rent, 12,000 by paying the mortgage down and the property went up 62,000. Like this is such a powerful concept. And most people have no idea of all the different ways you can make money with real estate and leveraging it. And so if you add all this up and, and go to the next slide here, we've got 12,500 with the uh, appreciation. We've got another 12,000 in rental income over a five year period. We've got $12,000 that we paid the mortgage down by. So that's a total of our 50,000 became $86,500 on the 50,000 that we invested in a five year period. Of course, it would become much more in a 10 year, 15 year period. And, it, and you'd start to aggressively pay that mortgage down. But the, the cool thing is you're averaging $17,000 a year on a $50,000 investment. That's a 34.6% return. So then it becomes real simple math. Well, which one would you prefer? You could earn 34% in real estate or 9.65%. And that's, by the way, before all of the fees. And there really aren't. We, we already took all the fees out. By the way, we didn't even talk about tax depreciation. Yeah. Like you get to save all this money on taxes. And so what's your thought? What's the better investment? I mean, it's it's a no-brainer, right? The, the one caveat I would say, I mean, I, if you have an employer that's going to give you an awesome match and you've got a 401k option there, yeah, still probably do it. But sure. don't let that be your retirement plan like get going with real estate right now because there's so many advantages and at that point right there one year in you can now take that money and reinvest it into multiple properties whereas with the 401k money it's there it's stuck you're not pulling that out and i just did a podcast uh, with a couple out of canada that uh, 
start investing in real estate. They had their nine to five and a few years later, uh, they got to quit that nine to five and they're completely financially free. They got three kids, they travel, they own all these properties, they own properties across the world. And so I've seen that so often that real estate but I don't ever see that about, oh, I saved all my money and put up my 401k and I retired and my family travel. Like I never, I haven't had that guest on the podcast. I've been looking for it. I don't know if maybe. We talk to yeah. those people all the time and that is, when is my money gonna run out? Not yeah. how do I build more money? It's uh, a totally different mindset. So I think we've made the case Real estate is the better investment. It is going to blow stocks and bonds out of the water. And even when real estate, you know, the the value might come down a little bit once in a while, you don't really feel it because you're making money, you're cash flowing, you're renting that property out, you're saving on your taxes, and you don't get that benefit, you know, with stocks. And so I think it's pretty clear the case is uh, is c- concluded. Real estate is the investment, and, and Ty's right. Like, if you've got a 401k, that's cool. And if they're matching uh, those uh, those uh, investments that you're putting in there, that, uh, that you're uh, investing in that every single month in your paycheck, cool, take advantage of that. It's free money. That's good money. But then make more money, save some money, put money away for down payments, and buy properties. And you know what else? There's going to be a lot of opportunities the next year or two with seller finance properties because people are gonna struggle with higher rates on mortgages. And so that's the other thing, like you can consistently make money in real estate regardless of what's happening uh, when you've got the right strategies with that. So that was kind of fun uh, putting that together. Hope you guys enjoyed that little slideshow. We'll definitely make this uh, a single video and share it out there on all the channels so you guys can review that uh, in the future here. But Ty, that's our money segment. It's time to transition into sports. All right, week 13. It. Uh Felt like the old NFL again with Miami losing and Tom Brady getting a comeback win. It oh was uh, Deshaun Watson's back at it. That was <laughs> wild oh, to crazy. see. Um, but, yeah, starting out, Tom Brady. I don't know if you watched that game last I sure night. did, man. You were a Saints fan. I so sure that. did. We were Saints fans, and uh, Jonas and I were feeling pretty good, and, and uh, Marcus. And then at the end, I mean, Tampa just looked terrible the whole night on offense. And it reminded me a lot of that Rams game a few weeks ago where somehow they, he ends up with the ball with no time. So what were you thinking when Tampa's like, um, Todd Bowles, the coach, is like, no, no, Tom, we're going to punt here with like five minutes left, and you're down. What was the score? It was 16-3, to three, right? Yeah, they were down They were down 13 points, and I think it was less. I think they were at like the four-minute mark. Oh, my. And they weren't too far backed up. They were probably their own 35, 40-yard line. They, they send in the punt team, and Tom says, absolutely not, sends them back. And then there's a timeout on the field, and Todd Bowles wins the battle, and they do end up, end up punting. At that point, I kind of was thinking, oh, no. I, I just didn't think Tom was going to get the chance. I didn't think he was going to get the ball Same. twice. I thought it was over. I thought, yeah. how are you going to get two touchdowns, two scores, and you haven't been able to move the ball all day long, and, and you're punting with just a few minutes left like this is over. Yeah. I mean, but the problem is the Saints then shifted their whole mentality and they started playing not to lose, and they go three and out, give Tom the ball, they march down. Who, who do you put that blame on for the Saints? That's coaching. Damn right it is. It's yeah. the head coach. Sean Payton's your coach. That's not happening. I think they ran the ball three straight times, very predictable. Saints put everybody in there to stop. You go a play action and and you hit someone one out there, even or, or an RPO with Taysom Hill. I mean, you do something, 
something to be creative to get the first downs and end the game, and they didn't do that. Then they punt, and then the Bucks get the ball back, and they uh, they get a PI. And and what do you think about pass interference? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. 100%. Guys cutting in, it's a perfect ball. He's draped all over and pulling on the back of his shoulder pads. Easy pass interference. Uh, TB12 does a little play action, hits the tight end, quick touchdown. All right, now it's uh, 16 to 10, and then then the Saints get the ball back on offense, and it's and it's second down. And they actually did throw it, except Andy gets sacked for like ten yards or something. Yeah, yeah. At that point, it's too late. Like, like the the possession before that was when you needed to make your move. Yeah. Um, at this yeah. point, you do what you can. Try and get a first down. Try and milk a little bit of clock. They didn't do either. They just about <laughs> got that first down though. It's yeah. Third and seventeen. And Andy throws a strike, and Taysom's got it, and he's going to have the first down, and he's bringing the ball down. He gets hit by two players, both on the ball. I don't know if anybody can hold on to that ball. Yeah, Keanu, I mean, no one's no one's holding on to I that ball. I don't think so either. Not only I know Taysom just, felt bad about it, yeah. but he had a great game. He scored a 30-yard receiving touchdown. He had a 22-yard pass to Olave. I thought he played a really solid game, and he was pretty – upset with himself but i i don't i don't think anybody's catching that ball because he had it with his hands he went out in front he didn't wait for it and he got hammered perfectly there's just no way yeah i i don't even think there's a lot of people that that get up and not only walk off the field if you notice he got up and he's the the up man for the punt team so he stayed on the field and played another play yeah everyone else he's a tough guy yeah he's a stud all right, and then tb12 i mean how about that last drive that was ridiculous yeah he's uh the most clutch athlete we've ever seen. Dude, I just period. love it. Like, he's going through the worst adversity in his life. You know, divorce, the woman that he loved for 13 years. He's got three kids. All sorts of uncertainty. It's looking like, dang, bro, you should have stayed retired last year. Why did you come back? He's got all these potential things that could hold him back. And somehow, some way. Comes back 17 to 16 with a win. And then to make matters worse, they actually get the touchdown to uh to Godwin, but then it's called back and his left tackle totally tackles that. I mean it's an obvious hold. Yeah. Obvious he's he's hold. the most penalized player in the NFL, by the way. He is not a good player. Yeah. <laughs> he's struggling. So all right, so then they take your touchdown away, and now you got like uh first and seventeen or something, first and seventeen to get a touchdown, and they still get it in and, and that third down play. When he finds uh, is it White? Is that the the running back? Yeah, name? Rashad White. <sighs> Super clutch. Yeah, and he He's... has to move around and put it there. And boy, he that kid caught the ball with his hands and dove right over like that was. And it was it was great that they trusted him again because he's a rookie yeah. Yeah. and he fumbled just a uh, bad fumble. yeah not I mean a what was that fumble. third quarter bad fumble yeah, that was they bad took one. him out for a yeah. while let Fournette get in get some yeah. reps and then they trusted him down. Down the road, so yeah. that was good to see. No, that was a smart play, too. You've got Julio, Mike Evans, the tight end, um, Godwin, and you go to the running back on third down, with, and then they score with three seconds left. So, oh, he's the GOAT. Very impressive. 6-6. Six, six. So, hopefully they'll they'll actually have a winning, you know, uh, schedule, and they'll, they'll have a winning season to get into the playoffs because they're yeah. going to get into the playoffs, and they're going to be like the team with the worst record in the playoffs. Yeah, which that would be – Tom in the playoffs is scary regardless. Oh, so. yeah, no one's going to want to play him. Yeah. All right, man, so tell us about your weekend. Yeah, well, I, I woke up really early Sunday morning, and I flew to 
San Francisco to get myself to the game. Took my cousin and my brother out there and went to go root on the Dolphins. And I'm, I must say, you know, one of my goals is to get to all all 32 stadiums. And uh, I love so that. I got to check that that box. But what's that stadium like? It's it was nice. Wasn't it? it was a beautiful yeah. stadium. I I must say, you know, maybe it's because we're different conferences. There's not a ton of playoff implications. The Niners fans were great. You know, oh, it, they they weren't cool. too hard. I've been to other stadiums where they're just. I, I have been, and I found the Niners fans to be really cool people as yeah. well. Really cool. People. Very different than, than when the Raiders right there were right there. <laughs> yeah, um, different, a different brand for sure. Yeah. Granted, I told everyone around me, hey, I went to BYU, love Steve Young. Oh, yeah. I love Ty Detmer. Oh, yeah. He had his little stint there. So we, we made friends. It was good. But, uh, yeah, total swing of emotions. We get there. We, we take a, a touchback, and then first play of the game, Trent Sherfield goes for – 75 yards and a touchdown um so we're hyped we're pumped talking a little smack and then a few possessions later we injure jimmy garoppolo they put up on the screen he's out for the rest he's out for the season yeah broke his foot huge broke his foot which is weird my brother looked at me and said something looked off there which i didn't even realize it but yeah he ended up breaking his foot so we're thinking okay we've got mr irrelevant for those of you don't know that means he was the very last pick in the nfl draft They okay. call him Mr. Irrelevant. Um, Where did he play Purdy, college? I want to say Iowa State. Either okay. Iowa or Iowa. I think it was Iowa State. Yeah, okay. Um, enters the game, and I give he, – he did a good job. I, I can't say all the credit. I give him some credit. But Shanahan played and called the perfect, perfect game, game for Purdy. He's a smart coach. It, it was very, very impressive. He utilized all of his tools. He got Debo involved. He got McCaffrey involved. He didn't put Purdy in a position where he was going to throw interceptions. The one interception he did throw was on fourth down, and we shouldn't have even picked it. It just lost us like 25 yards. We should have batted it down. Um, but he was – I've got to give a lot of credit to the Niners. That being said, I still think Miami is a very, very good team down the stretch. A lot of people didn't realize we were out our left tackle, our right tackle, and our center this game, which that is not the defensive front you want to face with uh, oh. two brand-new starters. Oh, yeah. But we are getting Armstead back. Dude, Babosa on the edge, that guy is is a – I would hate to have to block that guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's mean. He's a specimen. It, it, what's interesting is it was a total head game for Tua, like – he was so off. He's overthrowing everyone. Yeah. He's dancing in the pocket. And these were plays where Rushing he didn't even have any pressure. Yeah. It's just the the knowing and seeing Bose on one side, Armstead on one side, it's, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. Um, but we did just go pick up Eric Fisher. He was the number one overall pick, had his, his time with the, uh, the Chiefs. He was a pro bowler in That's 2020. So he's now That's on the helpful. roster and should be a – Beefing up that O-line. It's, it's the next game, right? Hey, like every team loses. Uh, it's a long season. It's 17 games now. It's not 16. And then going to the playoffs in January. So, hey, Miami's got to get back. They've got to get back on top of things and, and get a win next week. Yep. So that's that's where we're at there. So I guess the thing to say is, boy, the Niners are still very dangerous, even with the, you know, Mr. Arell. Is that guy rookie? Yeah. He's a rookie. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And, and they've got Tampa Bay next week, so that'll be a oh, great defense, be, good test good. to see how, how good, good they are. All right. Well, excited to see that. And then how uh, about the uh, Cincy-Kansas uh, City game? Dude, what can you say about Joe Burrow? I love that guy. 
He's, he's awesome. Everybody in the league struggles to get a win against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Surely they're not getting two in a row. He's won three in a row against Kansas and Patrick Mahomes going back to last year and the AFC Championship game, which took them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's super impressive, and they did it without Joe Mixon. I mean, he did get Jamar Chase yeah. back, and he's just uh, – it's weird to say it, but I I think he's winning the head game with with Pat Mahomes. He's just so another guy who's very clutch, and, and clearly Pat Mahomes is pretty clutch himself. But Joe Burrow on third and long, on fourth downs, he del- delivers strikes in between three defenders. He's very accurate. He's got he's got like that gunslinger mentality, almost kind of like a, a Brett Favre back in in the nineties, except he doesn't make the mistakes that a Brett Favre used to make. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like a, more like a Drew Brees, right? Yeah, he's, no, he's but he's he's got a gun and oh he's yeah, so smart. Yeah, very Drew Brees. Yeah, no, they're they're a very very scary team down the stretch. I, you know, as they get healthy, they get mixing back. They it's all about who's hot going into the playoffs, and they are a very very hot team right now. You know what I didn't realize, and I was listening to this uh, with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck last night on Monday Night Football. They're like, guys, two years ago when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Do you realize they were seven and five, and then they didn't lose again? Like, wow, it just goes to show it's about who gets hot going into the playoffs, and Cincy is going to get hot. We'll see about the Bucks since he's already hot. Like, who's hotter than them right now? I don't know that there is anybody hotter than them. They're dangerous. Um, well, actually, maybe the Eagles. Yeah. Maybe the Eagles are. I mean, they, they just continue to win, and Jalen Hurts just impresses me every single week. He's gotten so accurate. I think he was under 60% on his completion percentage when he first came into the league. I think he's at 67, 68 right now for the year. Yeah, he's playing really, really good football. And and you break it down, I mean, they do have a lot of playmakers, but they don't have these superstars, right? You look at it, Miles Sanders, good, solid running back. Yeah. You look at his receiving core, he's got some good playmakers. Devontae Smith went off. It was good to see the old... Heisman a couple years ago yeah. do well, but these are guys that he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill, he doesn't have um, a Travis Kelsey, and no. he's he's just he's he's making plays. He's been very very impressive. I didn't give him a lot of credit early on. I thought he was going to kind of fizzle out, but I, he's yeah. I think we all did. He just yeah. he didn't have that resume. We were oh yeah, he's he's going to be good all year long. And to everyone's surprise, he has been. He's been. And he runs all over people. And I, I was thinking, oh, he's a 6'3", 6'4", guy. He's, he's maybe 6'1", maybe shorter than that. So he's not the tallest guy in the world, but just super smart and good coaching and very accurate. Yeah. Very accurate. I've been – and anticipate, puts the ball on the receiver where they can catch it on the run. So, I mean, Eagles have to be the favorite, clearly, to come out of the NFC. I wouldn't put them I'll for I'll tell you what. Super Bowl, though. When I give you my top five right now. Oh, I'm excited. There's one team that's hotter than both of them. Well, I, last week we had a, a few people on okay. TikTok give us comments about your guys' top five. Oh, okay. What do yeah. we got? Oh. What do we got, John? So, a few agree. Upset. So a few agreed with our top five on TikTok, but we had some uh, disagreements. What was our top That's five? That's okay. Disagreements yeah. are good in this country. Go Last week's top five, what, what did we put it at? Okay, we had, so this is start to bottom. Okay. Chiefs, 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 Dolphins, Dolphins, Cowboys, Cowboys Eagles, Eagles, Bills, and then you guys talked about Vikings being right there. Number six. Number six. 
Number six. I like it. All right. Like it. All right. You, you want the adjusted top That's five? Top after, five as of right now. As of right now, and then see, uh, see if we make up for some of these yeah, comments. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Number one, the hottest team in the NFL right now, as much as I hate to say this, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Take the number one spot in the top five. Ooh. Ooh. At number two. Stephen A. Smith does not agree with us. <laughs> I don't see anyone stopping him. Well, it's listen, it comes down to your defensive line and your offensive line. Yes, the stars and the quarterback, super important. But if you can go in there and your defensive line can dismantle, wasn't it Minnesota that uh, Dallas dismantled last oh, week? Last week it was uh, the Colts. It was the Colts. I mean, they their line is really good. Yeah. Their defensive line can kill anybody. It, exactly. And you look at their def- offensive front, you've got two running backs that would be starters on oh, any yeah. other. I mean, it's oh, – yeah. so that's – I'm stick. I'm going Cowboys number one, okay. and we got the Cowboys Eagles matchup pretty soon here. So this okay. this is going to settle oh, itself. So I'm going Cowboys number one. Okay, I'm going Cincinnati number two because they're so hot, and that would be a fun Super Bowl right there. And they just beat <laughs> Kansas. I mean, I think most people put Kansas at the top yeah. last week, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going Dallas. I'm going Cincy. Yep. I'm going Philadelphia. Yeah, I like it at the number three spot. I'm still keeping the Chiefs in the top five at number four. Okay. And as badly as I want to say Miami right now, I've got to put Buffalo at five yeah, as they get healthy. I agree. I agree. And, and Buffalo looked pretty good against the Patriots, who have played a lot of teams tough on uh, Thursday night football. I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota, Miami, they're right there. Minnesota struggled with a, a very poor Jets team right now. I mean, I, I can't yeah. say Minnesota. So, John, yeah. what, what were those comments? What, what has people up in arms about this yeah, top five? So we, had a, we had someone say, explain how Cowboys are better when Eagles beat them and have a better record. That was a long time ago that they beat them. And and so we'll, we'll find out. It's in the next week or two. And who was the quarterback played. at that time? That's right, Cooper Rush. So yes. to answer your question, yes. they've got their quarterback. He's getting healthy. He's getting hot. They got Michael Gallup back. They're getting better on defense. There's a good chance they get OBJ. Yes, very, very good chance. He'll come in as wide receiver three, which, good luck. That's a matchup nightmare. I mean, you saw what happened with the Rams last year. OBJ just, I mean, in, in the beginning of that Super Bowl, like he's just so dangerous. If he's healthy and he's dangerous – on top of everything else. And Kellen Moore, we were talking about this, uh, the former Boise State quarterback who's the O coordinator there at Dallas and uh, I believe was the coordinator before Mike McCarthy took over. And Jerry Jones was like, that kid's staying because he's a genius and he has proved it yet again. He is a genius offensive mind and play caller and uh, knows how to put people in the right position to succeed. So... I agree. Dallas, very dangerous. And Cincinnati, those have got to be the two hottest yeah. teams in the league. Uh, you could say the Eagles are right there, too, and, and certainly they are. Don't get me wrong. We'll find out. I don't like the Cowboys. I want, <laughs> I want to say the Eagles right here. I'm just saying from the games I've watched, from the trends, from you know the, that recent loss that the Eagles yeah. had to, to Washington, I, I think the Cowboys are the better, more complete team right now. And, and, and there's this thing about experience. And Dak's been through some crap. He's been through some experience, and and so as is McCarthy. His team, as is McCarthy, and the Eagles and their coaching staff, they do not have that experience. And when you have, we, I've seen, we've seen this over and over again. The team that has a really strong regular season 
And then they get into the playoffs and they get into close games that they're not used to and the pressure's there and it's very difficult for them to succeed against the more experienced who's been there and been through the the ringer, so to speak. And and we usually see those teams that get get hot come out on top there. So Yep. All right, let's transition to our World Cup segment. So World Cup, it comes every four years uh, for the men, every four years for the uh, women's team. The U.S. Uh, women's team has been good for a long time. The U.S. men's team has not been good for a long time. And I believe four years ago didn't even make it uh, to the World Cup. Didn't even qualify to go. Is that right? Am I getting that right? I'm I think sure. so. Yeah. I don't, soccer knowledge isn't great, but I believe I, I so. I don't think they even made the World Cup last year. And when they have made it over the last you know, 12, 16 years, they haven't typically done well, and they usually don't get out of the group round where, you know, they have a group of four teams in all these uh, different uh, little groups, and the top two come out, and the top two uh, get into, let's call it the Sweet 16 of the World Cup. And so the U.S. made it out, uh, got that win against Iran. We talked about it last uh, podcast, Pulisic uh, uh, took one for the team literally to get that uh, goal, took a little uh, punch to the, the groin there. And uh, so they come out on Saturday against Netherlands. And uh, it was at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. So if you were in California, it was 7 a.m. So you're getting up early on a Saturday, which is just says a lot about your dedication. Wait, congratulations to everybody that got up early to watch the U.S. World Cup. Now, unfortunately, they went up against Netherlands and Netherlands ends up beating them 3-1. to one. And it was a tough game, but the U.S. definitely showed uh, some improvement. Now, I don't know a lot of, about soccer, but my 13-year-old has been a goalkeeper on a premier soccer league team. And so we go, we travel across the country to these tournaments, and it's, it's year-round. Like, it never stops. And uh, we've got to RSL here in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and so we'll head over to RSL um, that's where he practices in the winter. So last night I picked him up at the RSL Training Academy. Big, huge indoor training facility. Beautiful facility. And this uh, weekend we're going to head out to Portland. But here's what I have noted with soccer just watching Marcus's team. There will be times, and this will just drive me insane. And this is what I saw on Saturday. So you've got kind of the box area. You know, the U.S. goalkeepers right here. And then you've got you know, four or five defenders, and there will be literally two guys with Netherlands. So you've got way more defenders in the box. You shouldn't be allowing a goal. And magically, everybody just stands there, and one of the guys from the Netherlands just runs out to the middle, gets a quick pass, and just kicks it right in with no defensive pressure. And I've seen that happen to Marcus as the keeper. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And so it's so funny. At the highest level in the World Cup, I see the same thing where U.S. had five defenders, Netherlands had three, five plus their keeper, by the way. So actually they had six. And they'll just watch as this guy and just not defend him or just not be paying attention or a little bit of both. And he'll just come get a wide open pass and he'll just knock it right in. And the U.S. had a lot of chances to score, but they just, they didn't take advantage of him. And they would be off target and they would kind of press and when Netherlands got their chances, they did. But that's that was frustrating to see, to see that happen on the higher level. But the cool thing about the U.S. men's team is they are one of the youngest teams in the World Cup. And so in four years, if they keep getting better, there's a lot of potential and a lot of experts are thinking that they've got a real chance to at least get to the Final Four, if not beyond. 
So that'll be interesting to see that uh, with World Cup. As someone who doesn't um, watch a lot of soccer, and I remember when uh, I lived in Latin America and South America, I still didn't get it. But, you know, as my son's been involved, I've started to enjoy soccer a lot more. What do you think it would take for soccer? Or do you feel like soccer is becoming more popular in this country? What What are your thoughts there? I, I think the... MLS coming to the country is, is definitely helping yeah. get soccer back on the map. But the hard part is our best athletes in America don't play soccer. They play football or they play basketball or occasionally oh, they yeah. play baseball. But you don't look at this freak athlete in high school that has all the physical specimen. About you. He's, he's, they're not playing soccer. What's the number one sport in this country? It's got to be football. Has to be. Yeah. I I love football. I still think it, I think it's without a doubt the best sport in the world. The drama, the the players, the I mean the pain they go through, the beauty of passing and hitting and tackling and and the fact that it takes all 11 players like in basketball, you know, you have a Michael Jordan and some four average guys, hey, you you can win a championship, but in football that's not the case. You might have a, a really good quarterback and that helps, but You've got to have 11 great players yeah. on that field and really play and as a team. And they engage every play. All yes. 22 players are yes. engaging every play. Yes, there's yeah. downtime in between. Yeah. but So it's it's different. I mean, I, I don't want to say football is better than soccer right here, but I think the problem is that our best athletes don't play soccer. And when you're getting to the professional level, which all of yeah. these guys are, yes, they. I, I would imagine, I, I don't want to talk too much soccer, but they've got the foot skills, the, the passing abilities, the shooting abilities. I would like to think that the physical aspect has something to do with it. You look at a Cristiano Ronaldo, right, and his raw speed and vertical obviously have a lot to do with his success, success because of his skill set to go along with that. So, I mean, I'm in an argument with someone on Facebook, and they're like, why don't we throw Tyreek Hill out there? I'm like, it doesn't, these are professional athletes, it takes more than speed. If Tyreek Hill started training when he was six years old, yeah. yes, absolutely, 100% because of his speed and abilities. But you can't just take these athletes and throw them on the soccer field. Usain Bolt, case in point, he made a pro team, and he yeah. was not too good. You, you never heard anything about it. Yeah. He's the fastest man in the world, but that doesn't translate into success. Like You have to know this game. And soccer is one of those sports where they start they start kids off at like one when they're first walking. Like that's when they start getting them into soccer because you've got to be able to dribble and control the ball with your feet, just like we do with our hands in football. And uh, but you're right. I mean, if do you believe that if the U.S.'s best athletes in American football played soccer, that we would have and started from when they were young, that we would have the best team in the world. Oh, absolutely. You you no look course. at these guys in the NFL that are 6'2", 6'3", running 4'3", 4'4", 40s with these yep. incredible verts. If they had foot skills and understood the game, I it'd be a scary, scary soccer Completely team. Completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. No question about it. All right, guys. Well, that's our soccer segment. We don't do a lot of soccer segments. Probably won't do one for a long time, but there's our World Cup 2022 results so we'll see how the u.s men's team does in four years we'll see in 2026 on that one all right let's move to mindset the number one value and principle of successful people and this is actually from this is from a huffington post article we don't always pull from the huffington post but the article is five reasons to do what you say you will do and we talk a lot about values and principles 
you know, at our company here. And Ty, like, what's an example of, you know, maybe when someone did or didn't do what they said that they were going to do in business that just really impacted you? Oh, man, yeah, that's uh, what comes to mind. Yeah, I, I have a, an example of this just a, would have been about six, seven years ago. Okay. I was doing sales for a company, and um, the company itself actually had kind of fizzled out. They had lost oh, a big wow. contract, and they were kind of rebranding, changing gears, going on a different vertical, and I had left the company. And I was pretty good friends with the owners, and they had this whole thing where once they always kept – about 10% of your commissions in this reserve account oh, right. in case you had a cancellation. cancellation. Yeah, something like that. And so I knew I had that reserve account. I had left the company, and the, the deal was when you worked for them 90 days later that you get that reserve check, anything that didn't cancel or whatever. And so I'm thinking that company doesn't exist anymore. It's fizzled out. They've gone away. Yes, I still knew the owners, but I don't even think that the business bank account existed at that point. Yeah. And so I, the 90-day mark hits, and I am just think, you know, I think nothing of it. I've already got a new job. I'm already working. And all of a sudden, I get a check in the mail for my reserve account, and it was signed by the owner himself. He just took it, I, I would guess, out of his pocket to pay me and do what was right. And um, we both have done a lot of business with them. Since then, we they're they're one of our biggest accounts. They introduced us to that big Amazon group we travel yeah. with, um, and I know for a fact that this is someone that I can trust. And I've brought I've brought a lot of business to him over the years. And that simple act is something that that I always think about. He didn't need to give me that money. I never would have brought it up again, but he did what he said he was going to do, and that stuck with me forever. Dude, that just hits me emotionally. That's just so powerful, and it's so few the people in business and in life that follow through that do what they say they're going to do. And you and I have seen this. We've seen this in previous companies. We've seen this where people don't keep their promises. They don't pay partners. They might be six months behind it. Who knows if they're ever going to pay them. Or they are constantly changing their sales team's compensation plan and screwing with it and changing exactly what they had promised. And nothing kills, uh, nothing kills the culture more in your company than messing with people's pay plans in a negative way, than not following through with the commitments that you make. And I'd rather go bankrupt than not follow through with that. And and uh, and so, hey, if there's anyone out there, let me know if I didn't do something that I promised to because we're going to move heaven and earth to make sure that we do exactly what we say we're going to do. And that was the first thing we did when we started this company was we put that picture up on the wall. It's the first value and principle that we started with doing what you say you're going to do. So here's what this article said that was interesting. The lady's like, listen, I experience this often. Someone says they will call, and then they don't. Someone says they will follow through on a project, and they don't. Someone says they will get something important finished by a particular time and date, and they don't. And that's where, where, where we expect this in today's world. And so I feel like uh, if you actually do what you say you're going to do, where do you think you fall in the spectrum of businesses, of people? What percent actually follow through with everything they say they're going to do? Not a lot. Very small. I mean, I think it's 5 to 10% yeah. that do. Yeah. So you're saying, I'm, I'm saying 90% don't do this. They don't follow through. That one value and principle will lead to more success as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as a parent, especially think about parents. I remember um, 
watching this video uh, with one of my, my mentors in it, and he he's just having his first kids, and he talks to this lady, and you know she's had a bunch of kids, and he's like, hey, what what's what's some of your uh, keys to success as a parent? And she's like, do what you say you're going to do. If you tell your child there's going to be a negative consequence for doing X thing, you better follow through with it. And I think about my mom, who is so good about this. If I did that negative thing and she grounded me for two weeks, it was two weeks. It wasn't one. It wasn't five days. It wasn't 12. It was two weeks on the dot. And I think she really taught me an important lesson with that. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's something that I look up to. I say my father, it's actually my stepfather, um, was very, very integral part of my life. I know for a fact if it, it could be the smallest little thing. If he tells me he's doing something, there is zero doubt in my mind he's going to do it. And that's why I trust him. He's the name on my will. He takes over my finances. Like I trust him with the world. But I, I think a, a pointer I'd like to give people here with this, because when you say you're going to do what you what you're when you say I will do what I say I'm going to do, sometimes it's not always the I'm lazy or I don't want to work. Sometimes it's the simple fact that you didn't put it on a calendar, that you didn't set up a task reminder, right? I, I had that situation. It was uh, last week, Wednesday night. You and I were texting. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and put together the outline for the show tomorrow. And you notice I sent you a text at like 12.40 a.m., I was laying in bed. I didn't set a reminder. I didn't put a calendar event. So I just went home. I did my thing. I was getting ready for bed, go almost asleep, and it finally hits me. Oh, no, I didn't put together that outline. And because this is something that you and I preach so much, oh, yeah. you better believe my ass got out of bed, got out my computer, and put together the outline. But I almost made myself a liar, made myself a hypocrite, because I didn't simply put it on the calendar. So if it's something that you struggle with, if you feel like you're constantly letting people down, not doing what you say you're going to do, but you're not a lazy person, maybe it's just a matter of getting more organized, finding the right app, finding the right calendar, the right task manager. 100%. And, and I love that Google Calendar. That's what we use. We have it connected to our, our calendar links, to our work emails, our personal email, our personal phone, like that Google Calendar, and you can have recurring tasks and events that pop up. If it's not on my calendar, it's not happening, and I think that's a huge key. If you're someone who really, you know, you have the work ethic, the desire, you want to follow through and do what you say you're going to commit to, then put it on the calendar. Like uh, when when I do a podcast, and and uh, hey, their 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 team and their clients uh, need access to funding, and I know I don't have time right now to send over that funding link and all the things I promised them. I better put it in my calendar or I'm going to forget. If I committed to send that email out, I better put it in my calendar that I'm actually going to create it. If I commit to do a project, I better have it in my calendar that I'm going to do it. If I am doing a training, I better have it in my calendar. If there's an important meeting with your team, it must be in the calendar or it will not happen. I think that's a huge, exactly huge. right. Even if you're not doing it at that exact time, I, I have stuff like that all the time where I'll say, reach out to John about scheduling meeting and I'll drag that to different times. 10 different times before I actually do it. But the fact that there's always a follow-up event for that means that you will get to it, you will do it. And I think that's the key is just getting it on the calendar. 100%. All right, guys, let's transition to our political topic. Today's political topic is brought to you by Elon Musk. Way to go, Elon Musk. So this is a article here. What do we got here? This is from The Hill, which is, a, I guess, a, a pretty well-known political website. 
And it says censor censorship by surrogate. Why Musk, Elon Musk's document dump could be a game changer. So I guess last Friday there was this big document dump where it's called the Twitter files and Elon is just kind of pulling the curtain back from Twitter and and showing some of the things uh, that have been going on. And, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't think I filled out uh, the information on this. So we will go right to the uh, article. It says, uh, handled that one word responding to a 2020 demand to censor a list of Twitter users speaks volumes about the thousands of documents released by Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, on Friday night, as many of us have long suspected there were back channels between Twitter and the Biden 2020 presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee to ban critics or remove negative stories. And I think the big one they're talking about here is ultimately, I guess, the New York Post was suspended from Twitter for reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Twitter even blocked users from sharing the Post story. This was like uh, just a few days before the election in 2020. And so that's what's tough for a lot of people, right? Um, we Our First Amendment in this country is free speech and that you should be free to say things and free to share things. And, of course, at that time, uh, Twitter uh, took down these articles, didn't let them uh, be shared. And then I think 50 um, former CIA agents or professionals or something said, oh, yeah, this is uh, you know not, not uh, Hunter Biden's actual laptop. And I think the biggest issue that people had with this wasn't that the president's son was making mistakes. And, we, you know, when you have kids, your kids are going to make mistakes and you shouldn't be holding somebody. I mean, you can do everything right as a parent and your kid may still make bad mistakes. And, and clearly that was what was happening with Hunter Biden. But it, the issue was, according to um, Hunter Biden's former partner and, and many articles on The Wall Street Journal and others, apparently uh, there was an insinuation that somehow President Biden was going to be compensated as part of the things Hunter Biden was doing. And he was working with the Chinese and the Russians, all these crazy uh, countries that aren't exactly our best friends and getting paid millions of dollars by these countries, including China, uh, who's definitely our, our biggest uh, nemesis as a country for the U.S. right now. Everybody seems to agree with that. And yet Twitter, this was a big news story because President Biden could have been involved with that. It certainly seemed from the laptop and according to the other articles, that was what they were saying was the case. And so all these things have been censored. What are we to make of censorship and how is Elon Musk really trying to help with that? What do you think, Ty? It, it's hard, right? That, that's yeah. a very hard topic because that's a good, good thing to say. You it's do hard. want free speech. You want to be able to have a platform where you can truly be heard. And it's almost like you want to make it so if you're an adult, you're 18 years old, there's this policy, right? When you set up your account, hey, you're an adult, you get to decide what you want to believe, what you don't want to believe. We're not endorsing any of this. This is just a platform to be heard. But then the problem is it's so easy for kids to get on there. You can post photos. Pornography becomes an issue. So, you know, it, it, it's a very, very complicated topic because, yes, free speech is very, very important, but it can also be extremely damaging if it's not controlled to an extent. It really can. And I think the thing that we have to be aware of as like business owners and as parents is that someone on your team can post something on social and it can really have a negative impact on your company. Or in my case, uh, you know, one of my kids uh, today actually got in trouble today at school for 
you know, something that was kind of a joke, but came out inappropriate and got him in trouble. And now that can hurt his reputation. So the thing that we have to all be aware of in 2022 going into 2023 is everything you say and do is being recorded. How many times have we seen, oh, so-and-so said this on Twitter, you know, Kevin Hart had a tweet from like 10 years ago and they said, sorry, you can't host the Academy Awards or whatever show it was because of this thing you said, or you did this, or you said this, or a cheerleader, you know, said something bad, you know, 15 years ago and, and your life gets ruined, which isn't right. That's not right. Nobody's perfect. If you think that you've lived your life perfectly and never made a mistake saying something, you're wrong. You did. And that could happen to any of us. But at the same time, boy, you better be teaching your team. You better be holding yourself accountable. You better be teaching their kids that you are one bad thing that you said or did coming back to bite you in the ass and literally cancel and ruin your life. So you better be very careful about everything you say and do. Do your best, forget the rest, but just be very cognizant of that fact and realize that things you say can be taken out of context. And so you really have to be very judicious in the things that you're saying and doing and make sure you're believing in them and, and really doing your best not to, you know, it's this uh, difficult thing not to hurt someone, but to keep it real and be accountable and our, certainly our political leaders need to be accountable. But the big thing is hopefully social media applications will do their best to not censor real true discussions and debates that we should have. Um, this, this Everybody agrees. Now CNN, it took them over two years to admit that, yeah, this was a legitimate story. And they finally admitted it. But that's the thing. Like You can't censor real stories and at the same time, we have to be careful about everything that we're saying because that's the world we live in. Yeah, I, I mean, there's two rules for me. Number one, do not post when you're drinking. And number two, do not post when you're angry. Um, case in point, Probably the, Lamar the Jackson didn't play yeah. this week because yeah. of an angry tweet he made yeah. right after the game. Like it, yeah. what, What's crazy, though, is you go back, and I don't know if – I don't think we've ever talked about this. Are you aware of the Josh Allen tweets from his late high school, early college days? No. What was he saying? Just absurd, absurd, wrong, and disgusting tweets. Oh, no kidding. But they were before he had a name for himself, so I don't know if that's why they're looking past it. Or maybe there was some sort of um, punishment that he faced early on. But if you haven't seen them, you absolutely you look them Whoa, up. But, but just all you have to do is look up old Josh Allen yeah. tweets, and it's – it's crazy. They're they're deleted, but they're but they, out there. But they live they, on. They live on they forever. Because yeah. 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 So I mean, just be very very careful nowadays what you're putting out there. I mean, if you want to be heard, there's ways to be heard, but don't post drunk and don't post angry. Dude, I think the anger one is so huge. The the drunk one, sure, but the anger one, boy, that's what gets people in trouble. And the thing I always come back to, it was like I think it was. Maybe four and a half, five years ago, we, we had a, a big partner in a previous company we were working with, and I was just dealing with this guy over and over, and they were just doing all this crazy stuff, and I, I didn't always agree with it. It wasn't always right, but they were an important partner, and I responded really quickly late one night to a, a dumb email that they sent, but at the time, we needed them more than they needed us, and I sent that email too quickly in kind of anger and it really damaged that relationship and and hurt uh, hurt the business at the time and it was my fault and so now every time 
you know, I get an email, a phone call, someone does something really dumb. I always try to step back. And especially if you can take that extra time and extra 24 hours to respond, your mind will be clearer, sleep on it, get a workout in the next day, and then respond when you're clear-minded about what's going to serve you best, your business best, your company best, your family best. When you respond too quickly, that's how you get in trouble. I even think of, uh, we had a lady who gave us a one-star review, and I think I responded too quickly to her. And I even responded again and gave her more value, tried to help her, but I should have taken more time to respond to her her bad review. And, and so those are the lessons you're constantly learning as a business owner, as a parent, and you better be teaching your team, your employees, and your kids about these things because that is the world we live in. It's not going to change. Hopefully, the pendulum will swing back more towards the middle where, where something you said uh, 10 years ago doesn't get you canceled, but you've got to be aware of all these things. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something. I, if it's a good idea today, it's, it's a good idea tomorrow. So, I mean, take some, say, take some time, compose your thoughts, get some some tact behind it, and if you still need to post tomorrow, post tomorrow. Exactly. And we're not saying don't be passionate about things that you believe, but think about it. How much is it going to serve you? And I think the biggest problem that people have today with social media in general is that they just want to fight. But if you're just combative and just fighting, are you converting and changing someone's mind? No. No, if you really want to get what you want, what you really want is you want someone to agree and think the way you do. Well, you've got to make that case and you've got to do it with love and empathy and with logic and reason. And even then, a lot of people are probably never going to change their mind because they don't think logically. They, they think emotionally or there's an emotional connection or something in their past that you can't change your mind. And so the key is finding someone who wants to search for truth and then seeing if you can kindly debate the truth and find that truth with them. But if you're trying to convert people, that's the that's problem with Trump. Trump isn't converting people anymore. He's not changing their minds. They've already made their mind up, and he doesn't do enough to, to try and change their mind and to empathetically connect with them. And that can be said about so many people in politics. If you want to uh, connect with the voter, if you want your team to get on board with a new project, then you have to put yourself in their shoes and you have to connect and show them why this is going to benefit them. It can't be about you. Exactly. You come at them with good, strong, solid, open-ended questions to let them know that you truly see and understand their side so that you can then help them understand how you feel and why you feel differently. But if they don't think you understand their point of view and where they're coming from, then they don't give a shit about what you think. And they're not listening. Yep. They're not listening. So if you want to convert people, if you want to convert a client, a partner, a team member, it's got to be done professionally. It's got to be done showing that you care about what they want. And that's like the secret uh, to success. And it, uh, it reminds me of a podcast done with Jim Britt, Tony Robbins' uh, uh, first coach, first employee. And I, and I love this uh, podcast because he basically, he's struggling, he's going bankrupt And he sits down with this uh, guy who's a mentor, and he's like, listen, there's three keys to success in sales and in life. Find out what the person's problem is, find out if they want to solve it, and then present your solution if it can really solve it. And if you go in every conversation just trying to help someone without worrying about anything in it for you, you'll make a lot of money and help a lot of people 
And that's that's why business in 2022 can be great because you you have to deliver value or you're going to be out of business. All right, our final topic here is the family topic. And we've talked a little bit about this one over the last four episodes, but it's one that's not going away anytime soon. And it's the inflation story. This is from the uh, nationwidefinancial.com. Never found them before, but they pulled up on this search and found it interesting. They say, here's their, their research. Inflation is by far the biggest financial concern of American families with 60% citing the rising cost of living as their top financial challenge right now. Other big challenges were also related to household spending with items like gas, staying on budget, and the ever-increasing housing costs and rent payments, energy costs. We keep seeing our, our heating costs and bills go up. And considering these challenges, families aren't expecting things to get better anytime soon. When asked survey respondents if they believed inflation will increase over the next year, most 90% said they either strongly or somewhat agree or think that will happen. And that could help explain why a majority of families in the survey, 55%, view their current financial situation negatively. So families going into 2023, business owners going into 2023 are expecting more difficulty related to inflation. What are some of the action items that business owners can take to uh, deal with inflation or families? Yeah, I think the, the, the number one thing there is knowing where your finances stand, right? And I, yes. that goes well beyond just logging into your credit card accounts and logging into your bank accounts, utilizing the softwares that we have in this day and age, like a myfigures.com, get everything in one single platform, see how you're spending, create budgets, be accountable to yourself or to your employees or to your business partners. That would be my number one thing is knowing where your finances stand. And that's the problem. I think most people don't. I think most business owners don't. I remember in you know a, a previous company, like I never knew if we were actually profitable, and I had a sense that we were not because the finances had become so convoluted and so complicated. And so the first thing we did with this company was we sat down with your dad, who's a CPA, and I'm like, I want to know that we're profitable every single week, or if we're losing money, I want to know. And we put together the rules in the accounting software, and, and now we track that. And then the next thing was, well, how can we help everybody? I'm tired of logging into 50 websites, and that's why we built the MyFigures.com app so that business owners don't have to log into 50 different websites to manage banking, loans, lines of credit, investments. You can log into one place and see everything right there, and if and it's it comes back to the calendar, right? If it's in your calendar to review your business and personal finances every single week at the same time, it's going to happen, and if it's yeah. not then it's not going to happen. And for me, I do it every single Sunday. I go through that. And I was going through the My Figures uh, Money Manager, and I was going through the spending. And this spending section, you can go back year to date, month to date. And I'm like, oh my word, what am I spending my money on? What are we doing here? Yeah. But it was very eye-opening to go through that. There is, there is some wasteful spending that can be eliminated that should be invested or saved and, and if you're not paying attention to that, then you have no idea. Yeah, and you can actually hold yourself accountable. That's what I love. As far as I was doing the same thing, and my, me and my wife sat down a couple months ago. I was going through the spending and realized, oh, my goodness, I'm spending so much money on food. 
realized we had a DoorDash problem. And so we set a goal for 30 days. We didn't DoorDash. But it categorizes and breaks it down. If you're spending way too much on fuel, well, there's apps out there that help you find better prices. Maybe you need to find a way to carpool a little bit more. If it's food, you need to cook more meals at home or get more creative with coupons. I gave that advice to everyone a couple weeks ago. So I said, you know what, I've got to do what I say I'm going to do. And I got all connected with, I, I think it's pronounced Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A. And I got I got it set up, got my account created. And I realized there's a lot of things that I buy actively like diapers yeah. that I could have been getting three, four dollars back every single time. And that's well over 7% discount. And guess what? I just beat inflation right there. So figure out where you have the problem and then you can figure out how to create a solution. And sometimes it's uh, it's teamwork in business and it's teamwork with your family. And, uh, you know, thank goodness my wife is really good at being very, you know, strict with uh, budgets and coupons and savings. And she's always looking at where the best deal is at the grocery store and where we can save money with this, that and the other and uh, really appreciate that. So in your, you know, partnership, if you can get on the same page as, you know, business partners, as uh, couples, that's where you can get your finances right when you're kind of all on the same page with that. And speaking of getting on the same page, you know, if you're a business owner, you're looking to start a business in 2022, that's why we've got uh, this, we've got a new training coming up on December 21st at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time. This is going to be a business plan 2023 training and we put together for years i put together business plans that never came to fruition when i started doing it in the right sequence structure with the right goals and with some emotional things that would get me excited the problem with most business plans is people by february 15th they don't even look at them kind of like the people go to the gym and they're going to get in shape and by february everybody's not going to the gym anymore and so it's the same thing. If you guys want to get your business plan for 2023 built out right for your existing business or a new business or your family, finances, investments, whatever, then uh, join us. It's a free training. We'll put the link uh, in the notes section here. Email it out to you guys. Love to see you there. December 21st will be a Zoom. And uh, that, my friends, is uh, episode four. What did you think? How was the episode? It's a great episode. December 21st, put it in your calendar. Good times, guys. All right, God bless Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.